0: We're Not Dead. A podcast about a story of survival. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Alive. I'm your host this week, Nick Voodoo, because Brittany Brummer rocker, rocker has contracted the plague and will not be joining us. So I am joined this week by everyone's favorite producer, Beesball. I can't believe that I'm credited in all this. I've always called you the producer.
1: Most of the credit I get is uh, for making fun of you uh, through podcasty means.
0: That's yeah, what people uh, know me for. Well, okay, fine. I'm just gonna call you that schmuck beesball then. There you.
1: That's so much better. I feel much more at home. I don't like having an official title, as not me. I like being that schmuck beesball.
0: All right. Well, welcome back, that schmuck beesball. It's been a while, and Pass. we are also joined by Baxter. Hello, Baxter. He's got a great
1: sounding voice because he's got a great sounding microphone. It's true. Makes the producer happy or that schmuck. You're
0: not a producer, you're a schmuck. Ah, the producer and or that's
2: editor it. always gets the last laugh.
1: It's
0: true. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. I have learned that many, many times and I enjoy it actually for the most part. Uh pitching your voice and speeding up part. 150%. Yeah. Yeah, that that I enjoy that one uh the demonic laughter. Uh <laughs> you've made me sound what you've made me sound like a chipmunk before. I forget uh, all of them.
1: I forget as soon as I'm done what I've done to your voice.
0: Yeah, um, there, there's been a couple other good ones. Maybe that's something we should have everyone do: vote for your favorite Screwed with Nick's and Brit's voices, <laughs> uh, and that will be our next uh, big contest or something.
1: I well, know. I mean, to be honest, half the time I speed Brit's voice up. I mean, it's just because nobody wants to hear like the same comment for like two minutes read. I mean, you, you can't pay attention to it, right? So, if it's sped up a little bit, it's funny and it keeps your your attention, in. it takes half the time.
2: Or you might it's re-listen true. to it again, because you're like, wait, what just happened? It's
1: exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> then you go back and you hear it twice. So, yeah.
0: That's true. Better understanding through bees screwing with your voice. Triple win situation. Absolutely. So, we know about bees already. Baxter, tell us about yourself. When did you find yourself listening to We're Alive? When did you find the podcast? Uh, it was
2: actually a couple of years ago. Um, I'm one of the very... F- but one of the many people that was brought in when Greg Miller talked about it on I don't, I don't remember which podcast, Beyond a Game Scoop. And oh, that, that, was, Greg that was during my freshman year of college, so I started listening when uh when I went to the gym to work out and uh caught up midway through the first colony arc, and then I decided to tell my, my dad about it and he got really into it and shared it with my
1: brother and it's nice. been a fan ever since. Do you have just the zombie fan? family or something like are you all george romero fans or something? uh
2: my 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 dad's a big fan of zombie stuff i'm not really but i'm a big fan of the uh the audio drama kind of mentality i really love radio plays and when that was brought up i was hooked because zombies and a radio play heck yeah i'm sold
0: perfect combination genius absolutely uh so who's your favorite character
2: uh i'm gonna have to go with saul uh I really liked him in the beginning. He was he was kind of that comic relief character and now he's developed into something that's just a lot more than that. And I, I really appreciate when that happens. Though runner up probably has to go to Burt just cuz he's a badass. Total badass. Uh you have a least favorite character? Uh that's that's kind of a tough one. Uh I don't I don't really have a a least favorite character. I mean, you know, there's there's Scratch and coming up soon CJ who I'm thinking is going to be the character we're all going to love to hate. But in, I guess in terms of a character that I just really disliked and was very happy to see go, I would have to say Tommy, going way back to season one. Whoa,
1: that is way back yeah. to season one.
2: <laughs> Come on. He, uh, Something about that character just irritated me. And when he died, even though he screwed up the entire tower on the way out, I was like, good, he's gone. We know he's gone. He's not coming back.
1: <laughs> Everybody started out hating her and, and feeling bad for Tommy, but then you realize Tommy's just this idiot kid like it just drives you nuts and then you start well, i wouldn't say you know, he was sympathizing he was he was probably your standard teenager but what and then he ultimately
2: did kind of start he
1: just came off so whining and he
2: started leading you know kelly into becoming the character she is now who i think i think i could say more people like her than did back in season one.
0: Oh, absolutely uh, definitely. yeah definitely um yeah, so let let's let's be perfectly clear. You got into this podcast uh, from Greg Miller, who is a notorious child hater. <laughs> he hates every child in this program. Those two kids that were led off to their death in the beginning of or the during thirty six and the whole Irwin blow up thing. Yeah, he probably hated them too. Uh, so okay, I'm not. I'm vein. not. I'm not that bad. I like Hope. I'm okay wow. with her. You like Hope. That's a well, rarity. No one, not, no one seems not, like her.
2: Not like per se, but you know, I don't, I don't hate her, so I just, I just go with it. <laughs> right. She's a character, right, so and sort of she will have a purpose at some point, and she has a purpose right now. So until she outlives her purpose, I will be okay with her existing. Fair <laughs>
0: enough. Uh, I, ha- I have nothing more to say about that. A that ringing is... endorsement. I know it yeah. sounds really cruel, but. <laughs> Serve your purpose and die, please. Thank you. Um, so great. Thank you guys Hell for um no. for coming on to the show today. And we're going to talk about chapter thirty nine two, which is chemical reactions. Um, which had lots of meat and girth to it. I I know we just resurrected Tons that of, term. Ton,
1: I'd actually say probably more meat than girth, really.
0: Yeah, I, I would. I would say a lot of meat. Lots of lots of red meat to chew on for this one. lots of googling for this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah lots of googling because i don't think that anyone before this was like oh yeah i totally know what carrot 18 does yeah
2: yeah that's just that that's just that thing that does that
0: that body chemistry yeah we totally yeah. know what that does i mean that's like standard fare for the fourth grade isn't it
1: i think so okay. uh i must have forgotten or
0: maybe well, i failed the fourth grade i don't remember which i think i passed the fourth grade um possibly i <laughs> can't remember so That's why I couldn't remember what Keratin 18 was. Um, So let's start off with uh, Tanya and the test, since we're sort of already getting there. Um, She comes back to uh, uh, Dunbar, I believe it was. Or was this the safe house? No, this was Dunbar. Uh, She comes back to Dunbar and uh, gets sort of uh, strong-armed into sort of revealing what those tests that she was doing were. And it was the test to check the Keratin 18 levels. Um and she explains a little bit of what it was, but sort of keeping it back. Um. So, what did you guys take? What was the biggest part of that conversation? Not the one with Saul, but with the one with uh, um Kelly and Victor in the room. Uh, what drew your attention most in that conversation?
1: I don't know. I was I was kind of with uh, Victor. Um. I mean, I was I was lost as they were. You know, like she—they were reading through these papers, just like random numbers, and I mean, it was all gibberish to me. It, I mean, once she started explaining it, once they kind of twisted her arm into eventually, kind of spilling the more beans about what triggers and shows shine, signs of stage one and so forth. That's when I started to get a grasp. But I mean, before Saul got there, I was totally lost.
2: Yeah, and I'm—I'm I'm sitting there as I'm listening to it, thinking. If if this is important, why is I mean I understand why she doesn't want to share it in case her theories are wrong, and I might have something to say about that later. But if you know this, if this is some sort of big revelation that they could use to help, maybe she could give just the tiniest bit of information about what she really knows is solid, and that's the way the the K eighteen moves. But I guess maybe she wanted to try to keep as much under wraps in case that wasn't right at all, and maybe it is.
0: Oh, yeah, and obviously we, we know now from the later conversation that uh, we will also talk about that uh, it may not be so much that she doesn't want to tell them because she may be wrong. She doesn't want to tell them because she might be right. Uh, which is the bigger part of the problem, which is why that uh, scene comes on a little bit later with Saul. Uh, but a couple of posts about it. Which Doctor from the forum, very good sci-fi writing. I really like the idea of tracking byproducts as, uh, and the results of changing as opposed to writing what causes the change. Makes the story a bit more plausible if you're able to tell what is happening as opposed to how and why. As for behemoth tumors, I have an inkling. Chuckle, chuckle. Uh, <laughs> those aren't exactly tumors. Placentas, maybe? Tanya has created a Cylon detector and uncovered the first of the final five. So if you're a Babylon Five person, that makes sense. The only thing I know, I I know that Cylons are in Babylon Five. I don't understand the full reference. I don't either. Never watched it. Good. Then this we're a useful crowd. <laughs> so this is amazing. <laughs> that fell flat on its face. But Merlin, nineteen seventy four. I hope Tanya will learn. Uh, they have a virus, but it's not changing them. It's been how many months since she was bitten? Saul was shot with the pass through bullet. I'm not sure how this one will play out. The levels are still not super high yet. Maybe they will not turn, but could turn others with their blood. That would be interesting, like, uh, on 28 Weeks Later. The wife carried the virus and was immune, but could infect others. Um, so I guess it's now time to really rebroach this subject of what the hell is, is going on with um, Saul and Tanya. Um, they're obviously infected to some level, or they are just genetic freaks of nature that reproduce more keratin-18 than they're supposed to. Um, are they sort of like a typhoid Mary, where they have the sickness but don't get people, uh, but they don't get sick themselves, they just give it to other people?
1: Uh, you know, personally, when I was listening to it, for some reason it seemed very obvious to me that they were they were on the wrong track, saying that we must be sick because we have too much beta-carotene where i was i was on the track where because you have so much beta carotene you must not be sick so i was thinking that you know their bodies maybe just you know genetics their you know family they produce maybe more than your average person and that helped resist the uh the thing which i think could you know Uh, Once they discover that, if that is so the case, you know, several episodes later, they could synthesize, you know, a supplement. I'm sure beta-carotene is fairly easily uh, uh, raised in in the human body, and that could make a a good antidote, which, I mean, we are coming up near the end of the the entire series. It would make sense that there's some sort of grand resolution, like a... um, you know, everybody dies or all the zombies die or there's a uh, vaccine such as more beta carotene that would be uh, used.
2: Right, like, the way they, they talked about it, they it sounded like they only had one reading for the two of them, and if this is something that's supposed to gradually climb over time, then one reading wouldn't tell the full story. What happens if that's their baseline? That's what they stay at naturally right. and maybe... That's what causes their resistance to it. Or maybe they are infected and, you know, take who knows how old those readings are. Take another one now. Take another one a month from now. If it's still going up, then something probably is wrong and maybe you are. just I don't think this is the case, but a really slow turner that happens to take, I guess, four months to turn into a zombie.
1: I'm in a camp that they are... Because of their their beta carotene levels being elevated, they're immune, and that's what's keeping them from getting infected. Well, right, and
0: that's that's one of the things that, you know, what general inoculation or a vaccine generally does is you get a dead piece of or a very weak, weak strain of this particular virus or whatever, and your body builds an immunity to it. So if the carotene 18 or beta carotene whatever is – is what causes that rapid change. And we're going to get into the conversation about the behavioral and the physical part of the change uh, next. Uh, If that level going up at a rapid, rapid, rapid pace that turns you into this zombie creature, uh, if it goes up slow enough, maybe it's the way that life is going to be. You're going to uh, develop better, stronger skin to resist these zombie things and, uh, you're gonna be protected from it because it is going so gradually instead of so quickly. So maybe it is just like you know going to get a flu shot, and you end up getting a cold, but you don't actually ever get the flu because you always get yeah. a cold. Makes sense. So eh, a little bit, possibly. Who knows? Uh, other than that, Casey Whaling guy. So the behavioral. Oh, well, he change- told me. Oh, he so did. He
2: knows the secret.
1: God damn it! Yeah, it's true. For what that's worth, man.
0: Now you got to tell me. We're, it's a, it's a producer-only secret that
1: we producers just like to share things like that.
0: But you're not a producer. You're a schmuck. Anyway. Uh, so the behavioral change versus the physical. So the physical change happens immediately, according to Tanya, and you go from your tadpole to your frog. No going back. Brilliant line, by the way. I love that line.
2: Yeah, I love that metaphor.
1: I wish she had maybe specified, like, what exactly changes. Like, is there something... Uh, I don't know, like suddenly your lungs shrink up or something. Who knows? I mean, well, I mean, she said yeah, something physical definitely. happens, but she never said what it was.
0: I mean, I was kind of wishing she did. The implication, obviously, is that your skin gets tougher because that seems to be the thing that happens with most, at least the specialized ones. So your your uh, the small ones and uh, little ones and um. Uh, The one with the markings, I guess, unless he has Kevlar on or whatever. And the behemoths all get that, like, rock-solid, hard skin. And then we know that their chest plates get thicker because she had a hard time cutting through the little one's chest. A couple extra, I think, didn't they say there was a couple extra arteries in that uh, autopsy, too, in the heart?
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, there's definitely physical changes that take place. But, you know, the way she made it sound, to me, just listening, it sounded like, you know, as soon as you get infected... Within minutes, something in your bodily structure has changed. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think the change is immediate from, like, regular to tough skin. I don't I don't know. Right. It sounds like as soon as that happens, there's a, a change of some sort.
2: And, I mean, some of the things even before in the previous episode when she opened the one girl who got infected up, she was looking at her eyes and seeing if they were clouded up. Maybe... That could be one of those physical changes. I mean, it's yeah, more of a Yeah, that's probably, I guess, yeah, a symptom, That would probably be one of the very first things that changes. It's, it's not as drastic as, like, you said, like your lungs shriveling up or you, like, losing all of your nerve endings in your legs, which yeah. allowed, like, one to get shot in the leg by the arrow way mm-hmm. back when and not notice right. it. But that could also just be because it's a shambler at that point and it doesn't feel pain.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Because um, it was a point that was brought up on the forum that, it seems like one of the first things that happens is that people, the the, the personality part, the behavioral change is what really happens first. Seemingly, like Tommy, it, since we already spoke about him, let's go back to him real quick. When he changed, that was pretty immediate. Like he got the blood on him, and now granted, of course, there was a physical change, but the behavioral change seemed to happen a lot quicker. Like, yeah, there was no there was no opportunity for him to writhe in pain. It was like. Tommy, what's well, wrong? Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Rah, 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 jump. And he just jumped out the that, door.
2: That behavioral thing actually led me down a bit of a red herring. I, I think it's a red herring. But he was like expressing this really extreme, like, not don't wash me, don't get me clean. Right. And when I listened to that the first time, I thought it was hydrophobia. And I just went down this, like, super rabies path of what the zombie virus is. And I don't think <laughs> right. it clicked with me until about the other day where it's like, wait hydrophobia is a symptom of rabies then why would they have swam out to the boat right i, there you I don't go. think it, i don't think Couldn't be hydrophobia. And it didn't register like a year that i had this theory going <laughs> and then it's like wait a second hold on
0: <laughs> i had a funny. theory there's a big problem i had this a theory <laughs> for a while that dot two is the rat so you know what are you gonna do
1: um that turned out to be well, now we got uh, we got runners and we got the big ones, the little ones, and swimmers. That's all. Yeah. There's a separate breed called swimmers.
0: Yeah, the only thing that's left now is to have the pterodactyl ones that people keep calling for. We're <laughs> The ones that fly. Awesome.
2: Those are actually the crows. They're all zombies.
0: Oh, you know, speaking
1: though, yeah. of you know, a neurological change possibly being one of the first things. Um, that's possible, but it's not something that she would be able to. Uh, to view like with right. her microscope she wouldn't be able to look at a uh a microscopic neurological change that's happening in real time so just putting that out there that she wouldn't actually be able to really observe that unless the she had only, like yeah. an mri scanner or something the only unless
2: they decided to haul an mri back yeah exactly to the an
0: mri yeah I mean, the only way you can tell is to have you know the woman from the colony not knocked out with chloroform, and then watch the two thing, and watch the two things <laughs> yeah. happen at once. You watch. do we
1: have any idea who she was? Like, is she just a complete nobody? That's really convenient. I think she was a complete
0: convenient red shirt. I a think. red shirt,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think uh, definitely like a red shirt, like uh, the new guy Jay. Although Jay had been heard in the background before, it may have been a thing where she was heard in the background before. But at the same time, we didn't. Never, who yeah. knows? I don't. I don't think she was anyone that we even heard before. And if we had, then she was buried in the background is just Walla and you wouldn't necessarily notice.
1: What was really funny to me was everybody's reaction to, to her dying and like coming in They're like, Oh, you got the girl. Oh, sweet. We got someone to work on. And I was like, uh, not sure that's Uh... really, uh, there are probably some ethical issues yeah, here. I, I, I don't wanna think... go into them, but <laughs> anyway, it, it was just funny. Uh it didn't seem like pig. the we most appropriate reaction. Pig. Yeah, uh, no. Maybe treat it with a tiny bit more yeah, reference. Too please. soon? Too soon. <laughs> I don't know. Nah, she anyway, was... <laughs> it, I just it was uh, something I noticed that was funny. I mean not nothing hypercritical, but just uh No, I, I uh, said it odd, last oh, week. You... Oh
0: boy, vivisection. <laughs> <laughs> I had said it last week. I was like, man, you know what? That seems kind of creepy and wrong. It's like, I'm going to open you up now. You're still alive, but <laughs> why cut down the chest? Um, At the same time, you're also done yeah, for. so, so. I, just, I don't feel too bad because you're not really a human anymore. For um, science. For science, Excelsior. <laughs> um, let's see. So about the K18 keratin. Uh, hardcore post, as for the whole keratin thing in general, I uh, only took a quick look at what it is, but what I found is that it's a molecule found in epithelial tissue, which I think is how you pronounce that, and it's something used to detect circulating tumor cells in blood. So I'm thinking maybe the high levels of K18 in the blood during the first stages of infection could have something to do with the way the zombie skin thickens, and circulating tumor cells just make me think of how the behemoth was full of tumors, I'm not sure. I'll leave the rest of the digging to our resident researchers, which he ended up doing. Um,
1: this just comes from eating too many carrots, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's why behemoths have amazing eyesight.
1: Okay, just double checking.
0: I, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, I have <laughs> no idea. I'm I'm still trying to figure out what the <laughs> hell carrot, carrot in eighteen is. I'm still, still searching, and I I don't have any good reasoning.
1: I could swear that was the case.
0: <laughs> it's what turns you orange when you eat too many carrots. It's it's, it's a bad suntan in a bottle is what it is um, cupcake zombie did a uh, quick research on keratin 18 It is associated with uh, fibrosis tissue and scar tissue such as might be found when someone has uh, liver cirrhosis it's will greatly thicken and toughen the tissue which would explain some of the uh zombie traits a few things to add about k18 it is primarily associated with the structural integrity of epithelial cells which we just covered uh a note that is not just the skin but includes uh The linings of uh, cavities of the body, muscle, connective tissue, and nervous tissue, which would also explain some of the things that Tanya found in her autopsy. So, this is a really, really cool discovery that they've made. So, the rapid increase of all these tissues will be associated with an increase of uh, K-18, uh, need throughout the body, and support rapid growth, which would also explain some behemoth action. Research also suggests keratins are involved in signaling pathways that are involved in regulating cell death, cell growth, and movement, various uh, various simple uh, epithelial cells, especially in relation to tumor formation. So increases in K18 may not just be a byproduct of growth, but an internal feedback loop helped to continue the growth of the tissues in the body. So go back and and, and listen to that again, because that was a lot of scientific mumbo.
2: Yeah. I I was looking at the post tonight. That just flew straight over my head well here's
1: something that won't fly straight over your head uh there is a lot of carotene in carrots so just digest that if you will (laughs) and also in a lot of other yellowish uh veggies such as mustard greens sweet potatoes pumpkins winter squash such and such
2: so are you saying that if i eat a lot of carrots i will be immune to the zombie virus
1: uh this particular zombie virus possibly (laughs) yeah oh good that's a relief didn't like in an earlier episode, they were like celebrating Thanksgiving, like every good uh, situational comedy, and uh, <laughs> Saul was talking about how much he loves sweet potato casserole.
0: That happened, right? Oh, yeah, especially with the one marshmallow melted on top. Yeah, that totally happened. Along with the Christmas episode that we're not going to get, okay. unfortunately. <laughs> the Christmas episode. Yeah, <laughs> <The> I remember <laughs> that one. The fabled Christmas episode that. Uh, Everyone keeps begging Casey for and the musical one too. That's uh that's coming, I think, in this uh upcoming February, I believe, is when it's supposed to be I gotta released. admit,
1: a musical episode would be awesome. <laughs> Just I'm looking
2: saying. forward to Datu's dramatic solo. <laughs> Datu's.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh man, that accent plus singing.
0: Uh it'll be called King Datu the Resourceful. So I think that especially with what Cupcake Zombie found. Some of the things that are really cool about it is it starts to explain the way a lot of things that we've had questions about. Especially when you think back to the very first time that we actually see a zombie in the story. Which is when Michael is trying to get to the base. And he encounters a bunch of shambling people following sounds that are covered in scars. Which is a really, really long callback. So, I don't know. Does that help? You at all explain those scars because we haven't seen anyone like that since. We've seen shamblers, jumpers, runners, blah, blah blah, all these people, and none of them are really just full of scar tissue. Um, maybe I would the, guess I mean, the if they're covered in
1: scar tissue. I mean, scar tissue doesn't develop immediately. They, I mean, they might be part of the original batch that was maybe hypothetically being tested on at Radon or something. You know? Yeah, that
2: was that was what I was going to say. Like they're they're part of this first group, and wasn't the first thing that happened an explosion that could have been them escaping, and that's them running away from the facility.
0: Yeah, it, it could be. Bingo. I mean, I'm just trying to figure the, out
2: the, the other interesting the other interesting callback, and this was something I noticed in the forums at one point. I hope you weren't going to bring this up later. Was that um in episode three with the the first possible close call where Saul could have gotten exposed to the virus. um, The, the one smart zombie that they found on the roof was actually an employee of Radon Labs.
1: You know, I think I remember that. Yep. I do. And Um, that was
2: when they made the connection of the smarter you are in life, the smarter you are.
0: That's right. Yeah. Not really
2: in depth, but as a
0: zombie. I was going to bring it up later. And since we're, already sort of there at Radon, let's go, let's, let us move to Radon Labs, um, and let Master post, Saul and Radon Labs, uh, doesn't Saul even listen to his own podcast? If he did, he would quickly recognize it was Bert who first mentioned Radon Labs when he was observed, one of those smart fuckers, air quotes, trying to get on the rooftop where he saw Angel were camping out when they first met. The smart motherfucker has Radon Labs ID, the smart you are in life, the smart you are in death, uh, that doesn't bode well for Michael Screw heading there to, for recon. Um, so now that we know officially that Radon is a pharmaceutical company, uh, that means that they, in theory, are going to be trying to make some sort of medicines and blah, blah, blah. What sort of connection would you try to draw between Radon being a pharmaceutical company and what may be happening at Ground Zero? How does it interact to create this zombie apocalypse?
1: Well, to me, the first thing that we don't know and we're going to have to learn is geographically where they are relative to each other. I mean, if if they're within a mile, then clearly something is up. But, I mean, if they're several miles away, it's going to be hard to logically put something together. But, I mean, in my mind, you know, an explosion of an underground pipe or something like that uh, could... I mean, I suppose if it was large enough, fracture the ground and cause that explosion that everybody heard and leak out whatever said chemical was in that pipe, so that is i i guess the where I naturally go to
2: yeah that's I mean that's the only connection I can make like we don't know where the lab is currently when you look at the map and see where ground zero is, so you can't make the connection between the two i guess yet unless you want to go into the the whole like new world order conspiracy kind of stuff where it was intentionally planted there or something like that but you can't really make the bridge between the two until you see if they're in proximity to each other because it, i don't think it would make much sense for a pharmaceutical company to be running these massive pipelines carrying dangerous zombie gas under you know rural or suburban california that uh, probably would be too logical. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it could be... I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a pipe. I mean, it could just be uh, an underground cistern of something,
0: you know, like uh, just a container. Oh, yeah. So The one thing that keeps popping into my head is the idea... Not, not an idea of an Umbrella Corporation type of thing where they're actually trying to manufacture a zombie virus. Uh, what does keep popping into my head is sort of something that... Is covered mildly in The Walking Dead, so I'm giving you a walking dead spoiler alert right now
1: three, two, one
0: something that uh radon is working on that goes in that like in a vaccine that everyone gets that they have produced, and then it interacts somehow with this gas underground, and that's how it creates the original batch of zombies, and then zombies perpetuate themselves. Ad nauseum until we get what we get. That's one of the only ways I can think that radon's involved plus a random happenstance at Ground Zero all over the Ring of Fire that creates this. That's the only thing I can think that would make that happen.
1: Well, I mean, you you have to remember. I mean, if if we are going on the assumption that the extremely scarred versions of the first uh, zombies is the case then that means uh you know they were trying to escape it's possible they could have caused the explosion by rigging something underneath or and alternately i mean if if this is the case and there are a bunch of scarred zombies then there's some malintent by radon labs to be keeping some you know tortured people underground so yeah uh i think in either case radon labs would have to be uh, an umbrella type evil corporation. Um, I mean, that's just what it, it is. If you have human test subjects, true. Well, that
2: that vaccine interaction theory got me thinking a little bit because if if what causes the infection is the gas plus the interactions with the vaccine, then maybe the case with Saul or or Tanya not really being susceptible to this whatever that's causing the zombie virus would be that he just didn't get the vaccination, and that's why he's not reacting, whereas Victor might have, and that's why he couldn't breathe it, and the others might have, and that's why they can't breathe that in without turning or choking or whatever. But Or they eat a lot of carrots. Or they eat a lot of carrots, but yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it, it seems... I'm going with they eat a lot of carrots, just personally. <laughs> it seems like a bit of a stretch to me. I'm, that's kind of one of the things, that whole ground zero is just a mess i'm not even going to try to figure out until we get more information i yeah. want to but it it seems like there's there's still too many pieces missing and while it's fun to try to fill in the gaps it's it gets to be a mess and i i don't want to touch it <laughs>
1: well I, I do have one h- quick hypothetical question okay. um it seems like none of us are really on the train that they're both infected uh, which is where they are right now. They they're both like super scared that yeah. they're f- infected. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think something else is going to turn up. That's why I I think you know, the sign that they have higher carotene, is a sign of immunity, not a sign of infectation.
0: infection. Um, infection. So I
1: mean, is that how you guys kind of feel? They're not infected.
0: I would I would I would say I agree. Um, I think that if nothing else, to reveal that you're infected at this point. um, I I kind of feel like that's showing your hand a little early. So I kind of feel like it's to throw you off the track and have that good, happy, feel good moment when they discover they're not actually uh, infected or they are them they're infected, but they're not going to turn.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I, maybe it's not that they're just naturally immune, but maybe they got exposed to it in such a low volume that it it isn't really going to turn them all the way so it was i guess kind of like the most inappropriate in hygienic vaccination ever but it got the job done
1: yeah definitely or they ate a lot of carrots or
0: they ate a whole <laughs> bunch of carrots
2: there's that or if, or if maybe if I've also been thinking maybe this isn't a virus, but maybe it's a chemical reaction, maybe they just weren't exposed to enough of it to complete, like, to start that chain reaction, that feedback loop that they talked about, and it just stalled out at that point. Well, that would sure and make Casey
1: smile, given the name of the uh,
0: yeah, episode definitely. or chapter.
1: Oh, yeah, that's going to be me knowing that.
0: <laughs> I was wondering if you did it on purpose, but now I'm not so sure that you did. I think it just sort of naturally came up, and that's perfect. Didn't, it didn't, didn't even think, oh,
2: hey, chemistry. Her. And since
0: we're sort of waxing poetic on this right now about how, uh, the turning happens, uh, one of the notes in, uh, Tanya's, uh, journal, uh, conglomeration that she's created, uh, she notes that a lot of people get bit in the neck first, and that seems to cause them to either die immediately or turn immediately. Um, so we have an example of Tanya's forearm being bit. We have potentially Saul's leg being scratched, um, a uh, bullet going into his shoulder as a potential thing, uh, versus like say again Fernando who got bit in the neck, um, uh, Amy that got scratched turned slow. This woman got a uh, bit somewhere that she the one that Tanya cut open got bit somewhere, but I'm not sure that was really identified where. Um,
2: and there's there's also speculation that maybe it's the difference between just the standard biters and then the inklings and how fast you turn based on which one infected you because you had the ones in like the checkpoint at Fort Irwin that were able to stand in line for presumably hours and then turn when they're in the crowd of right. people or the one at the start of the the series that was in the hospital where they, it, it oh it's just a scratch and then suddenly they're turning in the middle of the hospital right so
0: ticking time bomb sort of a deal.
2: Yeah, it it could be something involving the inklings or maybe it's just their natural resistance or the quantity that they're infected with and how long it takes for that. I like that idea of the feedback loop where it gets to like this tipping point where once it reaches that point it just keeps going and then you right. turn and it's how long it takes for you to get there that's the difference.
0: Yeah, I just think that because in Tanya's research she's sort of making a point of Why does it happen differently for different people? Because it does seemingly happen differently for different people. Obviously, we have slow turners. We have, in in Saul and Tanya's case, not turners. Um, So, I guess maybe the method of transmission is vitally, vitally important. It's not just, oh, you touched it. You're fudging doomed, dude. Um, I, I guess it really does make a difference if you get scratched versus if you get bit versus if you get a little blood in you from a bullet or sprayed on you from... A jumper kicking someone else in the chest, or whatever the case may be. Um, so... Mata gun. Let's talk about some compressed <laughs> air yeah. gunnage. King Datu the Resourceful continues to be King Datu the goddamned resourceful. And he has made what apparently is a, some version of a pneumatic air gun. Um... Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the contraption works. It sounds like there's a bunch of compressed air, small tanks in a backpack connected to a bunch of pipes and tubes that has potential nails. I guess I'm not really sure what. The-
1: as as a a an avid watcher of um, Punkin Chunkin on the Discovery Channel, <laughs> I'm fairly certain I know what this device looks like. <laughs> no, I I've I um, believe however, me, I've seen Punkin Chunkin. I know. I'm guessing it's not shooting like bullets or nails. I, it's probably like uh, steel bars or something,
2: like steel blocks or Whoa. like rounded balls or yeah. weights or something. I,
1: I was thinking more of like a, just um, not pencil size, but maybe like thumb thumb thick, maybe about six inches long, like a, like
2: rebar like, or something. Yeah,
1: rebar exactly, yeah. just like rebar. That would that would be ideal. So, anyway, I mean, it, we don't know. But regardless, I mean, it's it's got serious
0: piercing fact-
1: factor, which yeah. would be great for, you know, the little ones.
0: It'd be good for the little ones. It'd be good. I mean, uh, there are people on the forum that are like, well, how does that work? That doesn't seem like that should go. And again, you bring up Punk and Junkin. I bring up Mythbusters. Uh, Mythbusters yeah, that's what I thought like, of immediately. Compressed air can be a hell of a thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, and I mean, if you think about it, you, when you... Uh, when you're shooting a bullet, I mean, it's got very, very little mass, right? Mm-hmm. That's the actual tip of the bullet. Right. And it's moving 1,000, 1,200 feet per second. But if you've got something like a six-inch piece of rebar moving at, you know, one-third the speed, even 300 or 350 feet per second, it has a lot more punching force. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot more mass behind it. Yep. And if if he did something like
2: sharpen the end of it when he fired it, then... yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Then it just gets
1: worse or better. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be moving as fast as a bullet to be more effective than a bullet.
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously it uh, works on the behemoth skin and pierces it whatever the projectile is. Um, I think, I mean, that I think is a great reusable resource instead of bullets and you know what, you can find Pieces of anything to throw inside of that thing, and it'll yeah. fire, and it should be okay. There's junk. It's like the around it's like the
2: rocket launcher from uh, Fallout Three. Yes, <laughs>
1: right. Pick up a teddy bear, fire that. Yeah, especially if they can figure out a way to fill it out with uh, it, with something besides diesel. I mean, I can just imagine Datu pumping on like a bicycle pump for like four hours straight in order to get seven shots. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's something that you know in the lore of the story you could use potentially on like a long-term basis once the show ends, you know, like, right. Hey, we don't have to rely on bullets anymore. The show's over. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a sustainability kind of thing.
0: Uh, so Liam Carrington from the forum, um, let's see. And Datsu the resourcefuls, grease monkey guns, uh, monkey gun of slaughter in the house is kind of pretty cool. What I really enjoy is Datu is established as a serious as well as a comic relief character on the show, and it works very well. Sweet. Super sweet. Um, Vlarkin. Saccharin. <laughs> Saccharin. Uh, Datu's Madagun, no matter how uh, it should be spelled, was really cool. Although I was just as skeptical as Glenn, I still sort of am. It just seems hard for me that a gun can be that a gun using compressed air can have more powerful impact and penetrating force than a 50 caliber bullet. However, I don't know much about guns in general, man. I'm excited for next week's episode. It has all the proper building up to be something great. Um, and Casey posted because the sound of the gun is kind of wicked awesome. Um, referring to the question uh, and the sound effects, it's a combination of six different sounds, same as Bert's Shirley, no gun sounds like this. So this is compressed air. Uh, along with five other items that are, um, awesome.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, when he said, like, I made the barrel longer, I, I kind of nodded my head a bit. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And it's, it's all physics. That's why, like, on Mythbusters and on punkin Chuckin, they've got the huge barrels to launch the things. So, I, I suppose that would make sense on why it would have more power once it gets to the end of it. Though, uh. Uh, I was more concerned about like the whole changes in the colony and how they expanded it outward yeah that was that, the next that kind of made me feel a bit uneasy,
0: yeah the colony seems to be extending past the point of where it's even conceivable to to protect it. I mean, we know that they have the the uh, a majority for them is sixty three people when they took the vote for c j now obviously they've lost at least one person that we know of uh or uh, no, just one other extra person that we know of that, since that vote. Um, you know that's a lot of area to cover for anything when you only have it, about you know ninety some odd people alive in, in your stead, and you have sent at least ten of them off to do Michael's bidding, and you know you've evicted Saul and Victor. That that's a huge area, and I agree. I think that that's gonna be a, a sticky point coming up somewhere before the show's over
2: i think it just falls into another case of cj the the planning is good but the execution isn't i think at this point she's now stretched the colony out so it's so thin and i'm thinking at some point that's gonna come back and it's gonna hit them and it's gonna hit them hard i think the colony is gonna be going down soon but i'm also a pessimist, so.
0: A, Who knows? It's also a zombie story. Pessimism reigns supreme. but I mean That's true. The, I
2: mean, how many of us, when this started, thought the tower was going to end up as a pile of rubble?
0: Uh, not I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons that I would say that, I mean, the, uh, just from a story standpoint, that the colony has a chance. Uh, because, I mean, just for the sake of not being repetitive, it would be nice to see something kind of hold together. Because, I mean, the, the tower collapsed. Uh, Dunbar Tower collapsed. Uh, Fort Irwin collapsed. Um, the prisoners collapsed. Uh, Colony One Point collapsed. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of to the to the point where it would be nice to see something hang in there.
2: They do seem to be bringing Dunbar back, though. I mean, and right now it's just well, a I'm just few saying the original there, Dunbar. But... I mean, got yeah. overrun, and though that that was kind of uh, user error on their behalf, yeah. and not really right it getting blown up by the maulers and collapsing
0: sure. um I and mean, again cj's reasoning makes perfect sense you expand out to gain more resources and now you're protecting larger spaces you now have access to uh air quotes fresh water even though it's dirty you can still use it for irrigation things like that um but i just think that you know like every empire that over expands the french empire with napoleon got too big and it collapsed uh, the Roman Empire did the same thing, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. You can look at history, and you see this happening all the time with people overexpanding expanding, and they collapse from the outside backwards, uh, into their central location. I kind of feel like that maybe in in the cards. I do agree with bees. I would like to see, I would like to see a change. I would like to see it uh, survive, uh, and do okay. But uh, there's so much I think going against the idea that they are ex- stretched so thin. And as soon as someone did, did anyone mention it that they're stretching themselves thin already, or am I making that I up th- in my head? I think, I think, yeah,
1: <laughs> I think for the situation in there in right now, uh, they're not stretching themselves thin. It sounds like you know regular attacks are very rare. So I mean, even though they don't have a lot of ammo, they're able to handle it. But we got to remember, all these zombies are hanging back now, and. I mean, they're not just going to hang back through the rest of the series, right? You know, there's got to be some sort of conflict.
2: If they're starving at some point, I think if they do have the central organization through Inc, the one with the markings, whatever, right? He's shown that he will strike, and I think that's going to happen. But probably when it's convenient for the plot to have this nice yeah. suspenseful climactic moment,
1: mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah, the the Alamo moment.
0: Yeah. So really the only other thing uh, left to cover beyond uh, Madagun and all this other stuff we've covered is uh, Michael's uh, attempt to rekindle the relationship, which is apparently, I mean, I don't know what he's been doing for the four months that we skipped over, um, but uh, he's still putting forth the effort and Pegs isn't really rejecting it. She's sort of being a little bit, you know, a little happier about it, I guess, that she's still getting the attention after all this time. Um. So, what did you take out of the giving of the flowers, albeit eight hours too late?
2: I think he got it from the flower box that red shirt crushed.
0: Uh huh. I think so too. I think that's a perfect way for him to have gained the flowers.
2: I I don't really know. I I can't say I'm big into analyzing relationships between characters, but I think I think that one that Pegs and uh, Mike might be coming back and. Probably better than it was before, at least healthier than it was before.
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure that, you know, at the end of the series they're going to be a couple, but I think they'll at least have some serious reconciliation. I think they're going to be dead, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're yeah. going to
0: be dead too. I've already given my idea.
1: Romeo and
2: Juliet. Maybe not that dramatic. Uh, that ended in three days and six people were killed. <laughs>
0: it was more than three days, it was like a week, I think.
2: It's been a while since I've read it.
0: <laughs> you know, I worked on i i i was uh, worked on a tour as an assistant stage manager on that show. You would think after doing that show for seven months, I would know the timeline. Nope, uh, nah, nah,
1: still not. <laughs> no,
0: nah, it's it's still two young punk teenagers that were twelve and like thirteen goddamn years old that stabbed themselves <laughs> in the heart because they couldn't take being alone. Woe is me. Ugh. <laughs> They were just emo before emo was cool. I know. They were the original PBR drinkers, and he had a fantastic mustache. <laughs> at 12? <laughs> at 12. Hey, at 12, back in Italy, back in those days, you were totally mature enough to get married. So, you know, whatever. He had a mustache. He may have painted it on, but he had one. Actually,
2: was um. I don't remember if this was this episode or the prior, but it was it was right there at the end of the episode where they were just about to head out to Radon, mm-hmm. and I think Kelly was looking up the address. I, I didn't get to re-listen to that part of the episode, but there was something about the tone of her voice where she said, like, yeah, about that, and Michael just waved it off. I'm like, no, when someone says about that, you want to ask what the problem is.
0: <laughs> it's true.
2: It's. I think there's something up with it, and he kind of just glossed over because he wants to get out in the field. He wants to figure it out, and he might have just missed something completely important that is probably going to come back to bite them all in the butt.
1: I was reading into that more because he was asking her to go convince um, CJ to let him to let him go. And I was reading more that she was just skeptical or or didn't want to do it really. <laughs> just,
2: like, I don't want to deal with her.
1: Yeah, uh, just putting this on me. So yeah. that's how I read it. So, I mean, hey, there could, I mean, no matter what, there's going to be something up at Radon Labs that's unexpected, whether she forebode it or not.
0: So, yeah, I, I, I didn't read too much into it. I think that it just, I think that may have been just a throwaway. I don't, I don't know that there's much more to it. <laughs> Now, apparently, according to the Twitterverse, and by Twitterverse, I mean um, Casey threw me under the bus on this one, Um, everyone wants me to go back to predicting things. And by everyone, I mean at least three people that begged for it on Twitter. So I'm going to go back to predicting something every episode of We're Not Dead, and then I'm going to try and make it so it lands into the next episode. Um, And then we can all come back and laugh at me when I'm wrong. Because... See, that's
1: the best part. that They don't want you to succeed. Oh, I know. They just want you to fail. I know. It'd be nice to It's like to see going to a NASCAR succeed.
0: race. I, I succeeded for like a little while, and then season three happened, and yeah, that happened. The track
2: record just went...
0: Oh, it went so bad. Oh, it was so bad. I was like, it's I'm a, so glad. It's a good glad. thing when it's unpredictable. Oh, I know. Don't get me wrong. I'm very thrilled that uh, the story kept me off guard to the point that I got like four predictions right and then like 25 wrong so I was kind of okay with it and then I had life hit me and I couldn't do anything anymore um so uh my prediction is that uh obviously I believe we are going to go to radon labs um and I don't think that we are going to get the zombie attack right then but you do have to remember that Randy's smart. And Randy probably is going to be able to figure out that he's forcing their next move to Radon Labs. I think that the cliffhanger for 39.3 is going to be the beginning of a zombie attack of some variety. Uh, I think that's where we're going to be left off with this. And I think that it's going to sound like we're in absolute dire straits with Robins, Muldoon, uh, Carl, who I think is out there with them still, and Puck along with Michael. I think that that's how we're going to leave chapter 39
1: three off. All right, Nostradamus. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Nostradamus. Total dumbass.
1: Now that,
2: that does beg the question of if Randy is, you know, working as, um, like his own entity, is he working with the one with the markings or is he working against the one with the markings? And, that one I'm not so sure about because we haven't seen factions of zombies clashing, but we've seen these two specific figures operating individually right. and never together. So, you know, maybe at some point that's something else we could see, but I don't think that'll be something we'll see soon.
0: This may be another I'm inventing it in my head. Um, With chapter 36... I thought Randy was out there with the one with the markings. I thought that someone spotted him out there. I don't think he attacked. I think that he may have just been out in the crowd. Like someone saw a guy with a beard or something. Or am I, again, inventing crap?
1: I don't remember that. You're going to have to ask for uh, listener input on that one. I'm kind of in agreement that he might not have anything to do with it. I think, Uh, yeah. I mean, he's clearly not the same person, I don't think. No, definitely not the the same person.
0: But... No, um, I, and again, they never describe the people the same way twice, so that's so aggravating in a radio drama. Um, uh, the, the guy in the pinstripe suit, <laughs> and
2: that's probably why Casey does it. I
0: promise you, that is why Casey does it. Um, and it's a, an ingenious method to ma- to try and throw people off the fact that it's you know the same guy. And there was a while that everyone was saying, oh, maybe it's like three or four different guys with a pinstripe suit. But whatever. Um. So, listeners, if uh, you know off the top of your head, feel free to contact us at uh, we're not dead podcast at gmail.com and let me know that I am right or I am horribly, horribly wrong. I'm probably going to be horribly, horribly wrong. Eh, it's kind of okay. Um. But yeah, I think that the if I am incorrect, then yes, I would definitely give credence to you. We have not seen them together yet, and they uh. Seem to be working independent of themselves with different things. Randy only seems to have normal biters around him, or other smart ones, and the one with the markings has his super army of "I'm gonna fuck you up" zombies. The inklings. Yes, the inklings, or uh, adlo, advanced little ones. the 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 name that I don't like to call them. Um. So great. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up from this particular episode? Uh, not that I can think of. No. I I think that we got that pretty well covered. All right, time to watch Nick struggle through every way you can contact We're Not Dead. Uh, I've already given you the email, which is we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash we're not dead. You can get us at the forum, www.zombiepodcast.com slash forum. We have a We're Not Dead section where you can post critiques, comments, uh, you can ask us questions, you can also discuss the chapters, like uh, we always pull posts from. Our Twitter handle is WND Podcast. Uh my Twitter is Nick Voodoo N I K V O O D O O. Brit is at Blond Nerd. Bees, I believe you're at Bees Ball, correct? That's right. Hooray! At We're Live, of course, because that's the reason why we are all here. Uh and you can also find them on uh Facebook as well, uh We're Live, a zombie story of survival or something to that effect. Um and Baxter, if people wanted to get a hold of you for any reason, way, shape, or form, how would they do so? Um, or you can just say no. I don't want people to talk to me. Leave me alone. I mean, <laughs> I
2: don't. I don't have a Twitter. My Facebook's for me, and uh, I sure as I sure as hell ain't directing people towards my Tumblr. So
1: <laughs> you right, can well... send your letters to <laughs> Billy Milby at two twenty silk. Never mind. <laughs> oh, you can you can mail me snail mail. Ooh.
0: The old-fashioned way. I ain't giving anyone my address. No, thank you. Um, (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, Well, cool, then. Um, We're going to be coming up with a contest soon. It's probably going to be Radon Labs related, uh, was a suggestion from someone on the forum, uh, that we create a commercial contest. And I think that that's what we're going to do. So we have to figure out some of the details still. Um, But listen to that for next week. I think we'll have it ironed out by then. So if you are... Uh, audio inclined and can make yourself a radon labs commercial. Uh, start brainstorming that now, and then we'll give out details. Uh, once we have everything finalized. Uh, if you are not audio inclined, uh, you can probably just write a script, and we will accept that as a submission as well. Um, but that's pretty much it for this episode. So, I think
2: that that contest is going to get some welcome to Night Vale esque uh, Corp <laughs> submissions. <laughs> Everything is fine and nothing is suspicious. Radon Labs. (laughs) There aren't any
1: zombies.
0: Definitely not. Uh, I I don't know how, as a pharmaceutical company, we're going to get to see someone walking through like a wheat field. But if you can figure out how to do that in an audio format, more power to you. I'm sure you're going to get a leg up on the competition.
2: Wrestling, grass, sound of the wind.
0: Nice. I feel so relaxed right now. Maybe some ocean breeze. Ah. Ah. That
2: probably sounds like me just blowing straight to my microphone. Eh, so. A little bit. No, 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 at? that
1: sounded like an ocean breeze Ocean to breeze. Me. I oh, have good. my eyes
0: closed. <laughs> you pick up a seashell, you hold it to your ear, and a zombie bites your face. Okay. Um, and a
2: hermit crab climbs out. <laughs> put my house down, you bastard. <laughs> Please um, put
0: my house down. <laughs> I want to live. Uh, so, as always... The podcast has come off the rails at the end, and that's just how we like it. So, uh, Baxter and Bees, thank you very much for being on. Bridge um Get healthy and stop having the plague. As someone posted on Facebook, I fail to understand how a nurse gets sick so often. <laughs> You'd be surprised. She would be surprised. She's she's a plague-carrying monkey. Um, <laughs> Talk about oh. Typhoid Mary. <laughs> yeah, totally Typhoid Mary. It's a good thing she didn't come on. All of us would have got sick through the internet. It's possible we'd get a virus. <laughs> and on that note, for Baxter, for bees, I am Nick Voodoo. We will talk to you next week, and we're out. Bye. 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 <laughs>